only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit In 2009, I had met a girl on Plenty of Fish that I'll call Natalie for this story. We really did head it off at first. She was fun, adventurous, outdoorsy, and curious about nature. Things went awesome for almost a year. She also had a three-year-old son when I met her that adored me. I had actually started to save some money to buy an engagement ring, and that is when the cracks started to show. This was when she went to court over child custody with her ex, which she told me he was abusive and had once held her at gunpoint and tried to hit her with the car when she tried to leave. On the day of the custody case, she had started to cry and become incoherent. Before the judge came into the room, she sat out loud. You win. I give up. You can have him. I don't care anymore. I'll just have another baby. Or something along those lines. Everyone in the courtroom looked at her bewildered. I got her to be quiet before the judge walked in. Her lawyer did all of the talking. With negotiation, she managed to get primary care for 50-50 custody. That is when I learned that she had some charges for assault, but it wasn't specified. I just assumed things were rough between them and that she was stressed, but I had started to really question her emotional state and if I wanted to risk starting a family with her. I still intended to stay by her side though. As time went by, I kept encouraging her to call her friends and hang out with them, as she would often talk about them but I had never once met any of them, or talked to them or even seen a single photograph. It seemed like she only had me, her son, and her parents in her life. I thought that she needed some friends for her mental health. Then one day, she just told me she was finally having a girls night out with old friends from high school. I was happy for her, and I encouraged her to go. From there, the girls' night happened, but the details of the night didn't make any sense. I then talked to her parents on a visit to their place. Turns out they had no clue what I was talking about, and that none of those so-called friends even existed. When I confronted her about this, she admitted she had met a guy who was a high school friend and that they met at a specific Tim Hortons and talked till 3am over a hot apple cider. The problem was that location didn't sell that drink and they closed at midnight. I knew she was lying and she just asked for us to be friends. She wanted for me to keep doing all the family things together but no kissing or anything else and just be friends. We broke up. Three or four days later, I received a call. She was then crying for us to get back together, but she wouldn't tell me where she was, and it was clear she wasn't mentally stable. She threatened to hurt herself if we didn't get back together. It turns out she had dropped her son off at her mom's place and then disappeared for three days without telling them where she was. I called the number on the call display, and it was the most expensive hotel in town. 
I told them to call the police and send them to her room because she might hurt herself. Well, a few weeks later, she showed up to my place and asked for us to get back together. She even offered to add another girl to the relationship so we could have threesomes. I just said no, and I shut the door in her face. She then went to my parents' place and told my parents that on one of my trips to Europe, that my friend and I shared a girl. And just for the record, no, that never happened. As you can imagine, my parents told her to leave. But then she told my father that he should disown me because I was a bad son and he wouldn't believe all the things I told her about him. My father just replied back with, I'm a hard man to get along with. If he told you bad things about me, it's probably true. And then he just slammed the door right in her face. So, a few weeks later or so after this all happened, my phone and my parents' phone totally blew up while I was visiting them when I was at their place for dinner. It was ringing every 10 seconds. So, I turned off my phone and my parents took their phone off the hook. A few hours later, we listened to her messages. She clearly needed help. She claimed that she was in a forest behind my parents' home and that she's lost and her cell phone was almost dead. And again, we called the police. We made them listen to the voicemail, and they went to go get her. They found her with no shoes some 300 meters away from my parents' place and near a highway that you could hear traffic. Was she done? Nope. After four months, I didn't hear from her. I thought the saga had ended, and I had just started to date the woman I was with for seven years. Tons and tons of phone calls started up again. Now she was telling me she was pregnant. I asked for proof, but she said she had a miscarriage. I then told my new girlfriend that I think my ex is going to show up at my place, and she told me to come and hide at her place. A few days later, I came home, and we had four inches of permanent snow on the ground. My yard was full of footprints and an empty bottle of rum. On my door, there was a bag with a 15-page handwritten will that she's leaving her son to me, and that it's her fault her son won't have a mother. I actually refused to read the whole thing. I just called the police again. I told them I couldn't find her car, that I have her driver's license health card and an empty bottle of rum. They informed me that they already have her, and that they would send some officers to get her stuff. As I hung up... My neighbor came out and told me that earlier in the morning, he had heard her whimpering in my yard and that he actually saw her under my deck. She had frostbite and hypothermia and he had called the ambulance. To be perfectly honest, I would have never thought about looking under my deck. If she would have died there, she would have stayed there till spring and her body would have started to fall out. Imagine trying to explain to the police why your ex's body stayed all winter under your deck. The snow had also started to come down a few hours before my neighbor found her, so there would have been no signs of her going there. When I finally found her car some blocks away from my house, I called her father and I told him where the vehicle was. That is when her parents apologized and they told me that they hoped she was going to get better with me in the picture. That is when I found out that it wasn't her ex who held a shotgun at her and tried to run her down with the car. It was her. She was the one who held him at gunpoint, and it was her who tried to run him over with the car. They also told me that she never showed any signs of being pregnant, and they admitted that their daughter was very conniving, 
Yeah, that was a pretty fun chapter in my life. I haven't heard from her for a very long time, thank God. Natalie, if you happen to hear this, I really hope you're doing much better, and I hope your son's doing okay. I really loved your parents. Please take care of yourself, but please, let's keep a permanent no contact. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This happened about five years ago when I met a guy at the gym. I never went to the gym with dating in mind, but I was single and I was interested in meeting someone. There was a guy there who would usually try and make small talk with me, and I would sometimes be in the mood to entertain it. He wasn't the typical guy talking to a girl in the gym. He would listen to what I had to say and never even tried to mansplain workouts to me. He was a tall, strong, and muscular guy whose name was Jared. One night I saw Jared on Tinder, and we had matched. We chatted for a little while, but for some reason I had stopped responding. A few days later, and we ran into each other at the gym. He came over and chatted with me, and he then asked me on a date, which I agreed to go. I really didn't want to go, but I felt like I had to say yes since he had asked in person and we went to the same gym. The next night we had met for dinner, and he was actually very charming. He cleaned up well outside of the gym, and he was dressed up very nice. He made me laugh, and our chemistry was there. The first red flag I noticed was that he was very rude to the waiter. Waiters, they don't have real jobs because they can't do jack shit, he said. I thought it was a bit rude, but I tried to look past that. After about a month of seeing each other, Jared and I were officially boyfriend and girlfriend, but things started to feel different. He would show up to my apartment late at night unannounced, get angry if I wouldn't answer the phone, and have serious anger issues. I would miss his call and he would call me names, belittle my friends, and just make me feel worthless. One night, he actually showed up to my apartment drunk and demanding sex. I refused, but he was being very pushy, so I asked him to leave. Thirty minutes later, I could hear him by my window. Let me back in and give me what I want. I need to feel you. It's really hurting me to not be fucking you right now. I told him that he needed to fuck off. He then told me of something along the lines of breaking down my door and forcing himself on me. Yeah, he threatened to rape me. This is when I threatened back to call the police, and he left. I then texted him and I told him we were done. This was the last straw, and I just couldn't take being with him anymore. A few hours later, I was woken up to him banging at my door and crying. Please let me in. I swear I'll be more considerate. The truth is that I love you, and I just need to get therapy. 
I told him we could get back together once he began therapy. This was a huge mistake on my part, and I should have left way earlier in the relationship. At this point, we were not really together anymore, but we were still having sex and spending some time together. He seemed okay for about a week, until his next meltdown. I was having a pretty bad day, and I wasn't really in a social mood. I was in a weird place when I had lost all interest in Jared, but I was also scared to date for my own safety. I had gone to the gym to help relieve some stress, and I was talking to an older guy there. He was being friendly, and we may have been talking for about three minutes, until I then heard, So that's why you won't answer me. It's Jared. You disgusting whore. I just knew you were already fucking other men. Why don't you answer your phone? This was extremely embarrassing, and he was causing a huge scene in the gym. He began tossing gym equipment, and it frightened me. I ran out crying, and I got in my car to leave. I left my workout bag and water bottle in the gym, and I didn't even care because I just wanted to get the hell away from Jared. He then came out of the gym and came running up to my car, screaming. I had the windows up, thankfully but I could just hear him verbally tearing me down outside of my car. I then drove off, and that's when I received a text from him. I'm going to destroy you one day. If not today, then someday in the future. I blocked his number and just drove home. A few nights later, he was once again at my window. He was blaring that stupid song So Sick by Neo from his car. I could hear him screaming and crying, talking about killing himself. I then called the police, and I told him to go away and stop coming around me. At this point in my life, I had never gotten a restraining order because of how much I was working as a bartender. It just seemed impossible at the time. The cops didn't show up to my house until an hour after he had left, and they said to just call again if he came back. The cops in my city don't really do a whole lot about these kinds of things. A few months went by, and every once in a while he would make a new Instagram to try and chat with me. I would just block all of his efforts, and I even started going to a new gym. He would try and contact me for almost two years from different social media accounts, emails, and even LinkedIn. The most disturbing thing is he had sent this one email. It was an image of a tattoo that he had gotten of a teddy bear holding onto a gun to its head, and above it were the words that read, Jer Bear, which is some cringy childish pet name that I would call him. The email he sent contained that image, as well as a message saying he's sad with a sad face emoji. To think that this maniac was really doing this for years over a two month long relationship was disturbing as hell to me. I advise anyone who hears this story to please be careful of who you let into your life. I'm a female, and this takes place back in the early years of high school for me. I was always an incredibly shy person, and I mean really shy, because I was still in my phase of hiding behind my parents' legs whenever they walked me into school, since I really hated all these strangers' eyes being on me when entering the classroom. Thankfully though, I had started to meet some really lovely people who shared my same interests at the time and they ended up becoming some of my closest friends, some of which I still talk to to this day after graduating. Unfortunately, 
One of these people who I met turned out to be someone that I really wished I hadn't included in my group of friends. We'll call him Teddy since that's what a lot of people in my school had started calling him. From what I can remember at the time, he was pretty similar to my friends and I. Being a bit of an introverted nerd who loved cartoons and drawing. Now at the time, I didn't sense anything off about him. And I was pretty friendly with him. But now with hindsight as to what would happen later, he definitely had some, well, off vibes about him. Our small group was full of socially awkward people, and at the time I had undiagnosed severe anxiety disorder, so I was especially socially inept. But he gave off especially awkward vibes that I simply didn't pick up on at the time. Fast forward at least a few months, and our friendship had started to develop into crushes for one another. This then led to us becoming a couple. However, I say that loosely, because I mean we were still young adolescents at the time. Still, it did truly feel like a relationship, because he was surprisingly mature with the whole thing. What I mean by that is that we had started dating a week or so before Valentine's Day, and when the day was being celebrated at school, he bought me lunch during our first break time, as well as a little octopus plushie and a loving card. At the time, I was definitely taken aback by this, but I did ultimately think that it was really sweet of him, though I did feel a little guilty, as I hadn't gotten him anything for the day, since I hadn't expected all these gifts during our first week of dating. That honestly was the first red flag looking back on it now, because this guy ended up becoming creepily obsessed with me in an immensely short amount of time. A few other things happened throughout our time of dating, and all I remember was that he started to become more and more attached to me. Now, I'm completely fine with having a partner who loves being around me and physical affection, as I can be pretty clingy too with someone I love, but he was pretty much following me around everywhere, and he always had to be attached to me either by linking our arms or hugging me in some way. Some of my friends found it cute, whereas some of my other friends found it just as annoying as I did, and a little odd. At the time, I didn't really know how to feel about it, but I knew it definitely made me uncomfortable, and it actually slowly made me lose interest in him. Though this could also be because my gut had just been telling me not to continue dating this guy, and this gut instinct had contributed to me slowly losing any feelings that I had for him. Like I said earlier, I had severe anxiety at the time that was unfortunately undiagnosed during my early high school years. And I also just wasn't a very confrontational person. I utterly despised drama of any kind. Well, with this in mind, you can imagine how much I was stressing over telling this guy that I simply didn't like him anymore and that I just wanted to go back to being friends, especially because of how quickly it had taken for him to become attached to me. I can't remember the finer details, but I do know that one way or another, we did actually break up after only a few weeks of dating. So, it wasn't like this relationship had been long-term or anything. You'd think that would have made it easier to just go back to being friends, right? Well, not for Teddy. I was relieved at first, because it seemed like we both could actually just forget pretty easily that we dated. But oh how wrong I was. I want to say at least a week or so after the breakup, Teddy had still been lingering around me like a bad smell. He wasn't getting super close or anything 
But I knew for a fact, based on my own feelings and from what friends had been telling me, then he was always pretty close by whenever I either sat by my friends at lunch or in class, and he would always just be constantly staring at me. I would sometimes catch a glimpse of him staring at me, since it felt like he was burning a hole in the back of my head at times, and I was always greeted with this deadpan and unwavering look in his eyes, as if he were in a deep state of focus, before he would quickly pretend that he wasn't just ogling at me and start frantically typing on his laptop or scribbling in his notebook. This pattern of behavior definitely unnerved me, but it was overall just pretty annoying to deal with. I do remember I got one of my more no-bullshit best friends to stand up for me and tell him to get lost and leave me alone, since honestly at this point his behavior was enough to put me off from being friends anymore. Things just felt way too awkward. I really wished it ended there, but the moment that still stands out in my memory so vividly to this day is one day when lunchtime was a couple of minutes from ending and I decided to leave early for my fourth period class. I'm not sure how American high schools work, as this is set in Australia, but it's essentially our final class of the day. I don't remember exactly why, but I wasn't with any of my friends for this lunchtime, and so I was walking towards one of our school's many large stairways since my class was on the highest floor. Well, I just made it into the stairway, when guess who shows up behind me out of seemingly nowhere? Teddy. I immediately felt my throat and mouth become dry upon seeing him, after he then tapped on my shoulder to get my attention, and even though the food courtyard was literally a couple of feet away from the stairway, it truly felt like I'd been suddenly trapped in some inescapable cage with just him and I. I was frozen still. Now that I look back on it, this guy had to have been still fucking stalking me since there's no other way that he would have known that I'd be walking all alone to my class early without any of my friends near me at this exact damn time. I mean, unless he had been watching me. It was far too coincidental and perfect for him. With his usual awkwardness, he then spoke up in his awkwardly pretty creepy voice, telling me that he just wanted to speak to me alone for a moment, and that he had the perfect opportunity to do so now that my more comforting friend wasn't there to act as my much-needed protective guard dog. I wish I had more courage at that time, to be honest. I would have just told him to leave me alone, as I didn't want to hear anything he had to say, and that I needed to get to class. But the side of me that was full of anxiety and just wanting to be nice to anyone and everyone got the better of me. And so I just stayed quiet, as he then put his hands on me, and then physically pulled me to the side of the stairway so that the sides of our arms were now pressed against the cold stone walls. I didn't mention this before, but I've always been an incredibly short girl, because even as I'm writing this, I stand at 4 foot and 7 inches tall, and I was obviously even shorter at this time in high school where people were starting to go through all their growth spurts. I mention this now because this teddy guy made sure to stand right in front of me in a way that made it so that he could easily stop me if I just simply decided to try and leave. It also made it so that my reaction to what was happening was easier to conceal from anyone who may walk by the hallway just below us, as my short stature was completely hidden by him. That's when he then pulled out a letter and said that he had written it for me, and that he wanted to read it out loud to me so that I would quote, understand him. I already knew where this was going, and hearing him read out the letter only made my anxiety rise with every word.
I'll give a brief summary of what the letter contained now. His words. Dear Cheery, I'm sorry I failed to make you happy, and that I can no longer be there to give you hugs and presents, because you deserve to be showered in all the love in the world. I want to be the only one you can rely on to do that for you. If you would please just give me another chance, I promise I can change and be the perfect man for you. The one you deserve. I'll start by going to the gym for you if you so desire. I want to make you happy so that hopefully one day we can start waking up in the same bed together after we settle down and finally get married. Please give me another chance. I can change. This isn't the exact words, but everything from the wanting to date me again and wanting to change into a better man so that he can marry and live with me were all the statements that replay vividly in my mind whenever I remember this moment. I don't know about you guys, but as a kid, hearing this guy talk about how he had this whole future of us planned out and how he legitimately thought about making himself an ideal man for me so that I would end up marrying him when we had only dated for only a few weeks was just super creepy and really sent my heart into my stomach. He then looked at me expectantly, but honestly in my eyes, it was the sort of stare that had a hint of creepiness behind it. The sky was way too obsessed with me, and that realization had finally hit me all at once, then and there. The bell signifying the end of lunch had gone off at some point during this creepy reading, but it was highly unlikely anyone would actually walk up to the stairway where we were, since there were only two classrooms that rarely had any classes scheduled inside them, as well as a less populated teacher's lounge on the top floor, meaning I was pretty much left there on my own. I had definitely gone into fight-or-flight sort of mode at this point, except my body had decided to do the unfortunate third option. Freeze. I was unable to say anything in response to what had just been said to me, and I was also unable to just run away and turn back on this obsessive guy. I was just scared he would grab me again, or that ignoring him would make him angry and thus cause the stalking to get worse. Before I knew it, my anxiety had reached a boiling point, and I started to have an anxiety attack as I then broke down crying right in front of him, unable to get a word out before it all just turned into sputtering tears and heavy breathing. Teddy seemed pretty startled and flustered by my reaction. It was obvious he hadn't expected this as he tried to think about what to do next. That's when through my tears, I also saw him start to reach out to me or maybe even pull me in for a hug which would have helped if this was one of my friends, but this was some creepy-ass guy who was unnaturally infatuated with me. The same guy who had caused me to go into an anxiety attack in the first place. Before he could lay a hand on me, though, some voices came from beside us, and I looked over to see two girls who I'd never met before. They had thankfully walked up the stairs and took notice of what was going on between us, deciding to confront us instead of ignoring it as I was clearly in a lot of distress by this point. Teddy tried to explain the situation, saying that it wasn't as bad as it seemed, but these two girls weren't idiots. They saw that this guy had clearly made me cry, and instead cut off his pathetic explanation with extremely dirty looks. One of the girls started to get all up in his face while also raising her voice at him, telling him to leave me alone. Meanwhile, the other girl quickly came to my side and made sure I was okay, before then glaring daggers at Teddy whilst her other friend chewed him out. 
Eventually, the two strangers managed to pill me out of that whole situation, whilst I was still a hyperventilating and unresponsive mess of tears, leaving Teddy to stand there dumbfounded. It turns out my class had been moved elsewhere for the afternoon, and so we were told by a teacher that we would have to walk all the way to the other side of our massive high school to the library. Thankfully, though, these girls were utter sweethearts and didn't care about being late for their own classes, as they only cared about getting me to my class safely. Bless their hearts, honestly. They were so comforting despite not even knowing me. My friends were obviously utterly appalled to see me in this state once I had made it to the library, and their dislike for Teddy had grown a lot after that day. Thankfully, he never spoke to me or hung around me since that day outside of classes, and I felt like I could finally walk around doing my own thing without having his eyes burn into the back of my head constantly. I was still scared deep down that he would pull me aside again whenever I wasn't with my friends, but I'm grateful that never happened. Just as senior year was getting closer, I noticed that I hadn't actually seen Teddy anywhere lately, and that's when I was told by a friend that he had moved to Sydney and that he was going to be a permanent resident there, having been enrolled to a new school and everything. That was such a huge weight lifted off my shoulders, to be honest. He hadn't been stalking me as much, of course, but just knowing he would be nowhere near me at all just made me feel a lot safer. I slowly forgot all about him as time passed, but unfortunately, it turns out his so-called permanent residency to Sydney wasn't so permanent, as right around year 11, he had returned to my school, having moved back from Sydney for unknown reasons. I was initially a little wary about this, but thankfully being in senior year meant we mostly had elective classes now, and from my knowledge, he took mostly classes that were in the lower level area, whereas I had taken a mix of both low and high level classes, plus a few certificate classes, and he wasn't in any of them, save for one of the few higher tier classes that we both shared, that being literature. It's a little funny because our literature teacher very clearly didn't want him in her class, since he was actually really bad at the subject, and in her eyes he clearly didn't take it very seriously. I mean, for one of our assessments, he literally wrote his whole essay in his own made-up language and expected the teacher to be able to understand it. Eventually, this continued behavior led to him being forcibly removed from the class and then put into a lower-level English class. That might sound pretty mean since it was clear he definitely had some mental health issues. But honestly, I was a little relieved since I think he had finally recognized me after not seeing me for so many years and had started to stare at me every now and then during our class. There was only one other time that we had shared a class together and that was because my lower level math class got merged with his for an afternoon due to our teacher being unable to attend and there being no teacher aid assigned to us. I simply sat with my best friend whilst we worked, but I could feel him staring at me again, and every time I would look back in his direction, he would do that same shit he did back in junior year, where he quickly scrambled back to looking intently at his laptop screen when he got caught staring, and if none of this convinces you that he was an obsessive creep, it turns out that at some point during senior year, he had been suspended due to him being caught taking multiple upskirt pictures of girls in our grade. On top of this, he had also started dating a girl who was still in her junior years, meaning she was probably in the 13 to 15 age range, whereas he was around 17 at the time. 
Now, to some people, that might not seem odd, but in the future, that would mean that he would already be 18 and graduated when she was still at most 16, and that's pretty fucking weird to me, especially considering everything else that he had done. I know this may be a little long and not as scary as other stalker stories on the channel, but honestly at the time, I was so uneasy and genuinely scared of how this guy would react towards me not accepting any of his feelings. It sends a shiver up my spine remembering how weirdly obsessed this dude got after only dating me for a small handful of weeks, especially just as kids. I really, really hope after all the stuff he got caught doing that he did some self-reflecting after high school and got some help and is doing much better mentally. I also hope that he's no longer dating that young girl as that still really grosses me out to remember. Thankfully, I haven't seen any trace of him since graduating three years ago. And whilst this experience on top of another terribly mentally abusive relationship that I got into during 12th grade made it very hard for me to trust someone, as well as feel comfortable in relationships, I'm happy to say that I finally found someone who truly makes me feel like I'm cared for in a non-creepy way. He truly makes me feel like I'm an actual person, and he's honestly massively helped me in getting over these relationship hurdles that have scarred me all these years. I'm happy to say we'll be having our one-year anniversary this December. To end things off, I honestly got really lucky that this guy wasn't easily angered or anything, and that I also had some strangers pull me out of the stairway situation before things got even more uncomfortable for me. This whole situation could have gotten a lot worse for me, my advice to anyone out there that might relate to this in some form is to please be highly alert to any red flags, and you should always trust your gut instinct with these sort of things. You shouldn't even care about possibly hurting someone's feelings because your safety is all that matters, and realizing these warning signs early is super important. Please take care of yourselves out there. You're all so much stronger than you know. Thank you all for taking the time to listen to this. And thank you to Southern Cannibal for narrating it. Be safe out there, everyone. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. If you ever want to submit your own, you can do so at southerncannibal.com. Have a good night, everyone. And remember, to always, stay.